welcome back to Living My Best Disabled Life. Today we have Colleen Flanagan, who is a disability advocate. Hi, Colleen. Hi, Olivia. Thanks so much for inviting me to talk with you. This is exciting. Thanks for coming. It's a very full circle moment because I've known you for like years. I know, and this is incredible that you have a podcast with such an awesome name, too. Thanks. Uh, Anyways, can we just start by um, maybe talking about, like, what got you into um, advocacy? Because I know, like, you worked um, with Easter Seals for a few, like, not a few years, a while. Um, (laughs) And now you're more into, like, advocacy and stuff like that. Okay, so actually, I've kind of always been involved with advocacy since I was a teenager. I I think, you know, growing up in the 80s and 90s with a disability, um, I was 10 years old when the Americans with Disabilities Act passed. Um, everything was just becoming disabled when I was a kid. Uh, I was the first disabled student to go to my grammar school or elementary school. And because of that, being the first experience with so many things, it kind of made me aware of how much advocacy really needs to be done around the issues that affect people with disabilities and to make things more accessible. So I, uh, that's how I got into it was really kind of being disabled myself. And then you know, you go to college and you do things. And now, um, like you said, I worked at Easter Seals organizing youth programs. That's how I got to meet you, which was pretty awesome. And uh, now I'm a, I'm a professional activist organizing for electoral um, change within the disability rights movement. So would you say that the like main part of your advocacy is like um, like political stuff? It is right now. It's 100% political because, you know, people with disabilities are one in every four Americans. That's 25% of the population. But almost nobody that is elected to office has a disability. So I don't think people with disabilities are represented in government like we deserve to be. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree with that. So that's why I'm dedicating uh, my career right now to build political power um, within the disability rights movement, which, you know, we are almost in the middle of, but we have a ways to go to move our movement to make things accessible. Yeah, there's always room for um, improvement, even Mm -hmm. when you get to a certain point, you know, like... (laughs) um, You can always improve. You can. Like, I'm so grateful for what all the activists did before my time. I mean, I couldn't imagine life without the Americans with Disabilities Act. Could you? Honestly, me either. (laughs) Right. And that took some hardcore activism. People took major risks um, to make that issue known that we deserve to access the public just like people without disabilities. But it's wild because like 
I'm only 22, but I feel like it was so long ago. But in reality, it was only like eight years before I was born. That's like, true. That's just, that's just crazy. I mean, but at the same time, you're an adult now. And think about it. We haven't had a major disability rights victory since before eight years you were born. Like, we we still have a lot of discrimination that people with disabilities face that I think we need to address. You know, we need another major disability rights win. Especially. We also really need, like, you know how it's actually legal to pay people under the minimum wage if they're disabled? Isn't that awful? That's wild, and it's oh, disturbing. Ugh. That's why I'm, like, scared to get into the real world. I'm like, oh, I don't... Well, you're, yeah. you're, doing, you're doing great right now. I mean, this podcast is part of the world where... Oh, everyone listening right now is very real. Um, and you just talked to them uh, that just because people are disabled, they're still allowed to be paid less than minimum wage, which is... And it's a, it's a policy we could change. Um, but hasn't been changed yet, so. Is there any specific advice one who wanted to get involved into um, disability advocacy but just didn't know where to start because there's so much that needs to be changed and advocated for? Yeah. So the first thing I would say is don't be afraid. Don't hesitate. It doesn't matter if you are a person with a disability or a disabled person or not. If you understand or want things to be more accessible so that people with disabilities can access it in different ways, get involved. And I personally would advise them to vote for candidates who talk about the issues that matter to people with disabilities. Um, that's how, I mean, that, it's, a, it's a great way to make change. I mean, that's how we make change in a democracy is voting. So we need to make sure the people on the campaign trail are talking about the issues that matter to us, like making sure we get minimum wage when we work, just like everyone else. I feel like you barely hear that, though. Like, I don't I don't remember the last time I was like listening to someone on a campaign trail and it's like, oh, they're mentioning people. It never, it doesn't never happen, but it rarely happens, you know? Yes. And that's, you know, I, I organize with a group called Disability Action for America, and it's uh, people with disabilities leading volunteer efforts to ask the candidates running for every level of government to talk about those issues. And, and I think it's, I think it's starting to work. I think we're starting to hear at least the word disability, but we got a long ways to go. It's a slow pro uh, process. It is, but I have, you know what? I get inspired by younger people like you who are much more politically active than even I was at 22. So I, I, it's a slow process, but I have confidence it's speeding up with the next generation. I try to be. I, like, uh, volunteer to, um, like, you know those things where you send texts? 
like texts and calls and like about making sure people are registered to vote. I did that in the 2020 election. It was very empowering. Like, oh, that's great to hear. No, keep telling me. I I love volunteering to get out the vote. So yeah, it was empowering. You said. Yeah, I I don't like I I don't know why I didn't think of doing it earlier in life because it's like my sec it's my second election cycle, not my first. So like I was eighteen when the twenty sixteen election happened, okay. but I didn't do anything like political like political except maybe go to like after the election, like, the women's march and stuff like that, but I don't know, I'm very, like, um, like, so much more politically aware in the last, like, three to four years than I've ever been, and, like, um, I don't know why, (laughs) I honestly don't know why I've been, like, so uh, not paying attention to that stuff, like, it's, uh, it's very important, you know? It is very important. And give yourself some credit because, I mean, not every 18-year-old in my generation um, was even aware or even voting, I think. I mean, there are some people who were 18 at, like, the first um, 2016 election that didn't vote at all. So (laughs) there's that. I mean, yes, and I think we can do so much more to get out the vote and get younger, more younger people voting. But we also, unfortunately, are living in a time where a lot of lawmakers are trying to push voter suppression laws, which would only make it harder for 18-year-olds to vote. So that's, yeah, that's, that's another thing. Too. We're living in a wild time right now. We, we, we are. We are. But like I said, I'm, I am inspired by younger people. Um educating themselves and getting more involved than previous generations, including you, Olivia. So thank you. You're welcome. Um, so I know this is kind of, um, like I'm kind of jumping all over the place. I'm going to edit this. It's not going to sound like this, but, um, I didn't do it in the exact order too. Um, so I, I know that you ended up on like, national television for your advocacy work and then you kind of um got arrested (laughs) and stuff like that could you just like explain the experience yes thank you for for asking so shortly after the 2016 election um trump and the Senate under Mitch McConnell's leadership introduced some horrific healthcare laws that would have made living with a disability much harder. We would have had a lot harder a time accessing attendant care, uh, durable medical equipment like wheelchairs, crutches, breathing machines, um, and even just healthcare and hospitals. So because of those pieces of legislation, people with disabilities came together um, with ADAPT, a movement that uses direct action to bring attention to um, the issues that matter to people with disabilities and to really make it so that we can live in the community like everyone else. So the, the pieces of legislation would have absolutely 
decimated Medicaid, which is the largest insurance program, health insurance program for people with disabilities. So because of all those severe threats, ADAPT, which I am a part of, decided to protest uh, the peacefully, um, nonviolently um, protest the Senate and, and the House, actually, um, about those health care laws. And because the people in power didn't agree with us, they decided not to listen to our cries, not to cut Medicaid, and instead had us arrested. So that happened many times, actually, during the four years that Trump was elected. That's crazy. It's happened like um, more than once because I only remember seeing it once. Well, <laughs> that's interesting. yeah. Okay. Uh, well, you you yeah you you probably saw the the healthcare fight. The healthcare one. I think it was the healthcare one. Yeah, that's what. Um, I think that's when it was on the news and stuff. But I I know there's a ton of other times with like they aren't shown on the news. Right. Um, but it's still it's still there. It's still happening. It's just like not always shown. You know what I mean? Oh, I totally know what you mean. And I think people with disabilities are especially ignored and not covered on the news as much as we we should be. Um, when I just you meant start- like the um the media is a little bit selective. In in a way that, like, I I don't even, like, I can't, I can count on one of my hands, maybe two times how many times, like, I've seen disabled people on the news for a good reason. (laughs) (sighs) You're right. (laughs) And that's something we need to do better. But that's, that's why um, I'm so proud to work with Disability Action to actually elect leaders that have disabilities so we can see people in leadership roles on the news and everywhere else um, doing good things, you know, um, imagine, I mean, look at Senator Tammy Duckworth. She's doing some incredible things as Senator in Illinois. Um, but I wish she got more news coverage, to be honest, on, on what she's doing for people with disabilities. Yeah, I've only seen it a little bit. I haven't seen it that much. That's what I mean. She needs way more coverage because she's a mother who um, embraced IVF. She, um, you know, was one of the first people to use a wheelchair um, on the Senate floor, I believe. She was definitely the first mother to bring her baby on the Senate floor. So she does, she's doing a lot of really positive inspirational things that I wish was covered more because there's so many women and girls with disabilities out there who could really, I mean, I, I appreciate every time I see her um, and all the good things she's doing for, for me and other people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's like a lot of times when like, they don't really, they don't show, they don't show the stuff, but it's happening behind the scenes, but, the world's uh, the world's not really aware of it, and it needs a lot more um, 
like um media coverage and even like um I don't want to say praise but yeah like praise yeah. I agree very much and the other times I got arrested was actually because this was not covered in the news as much as it should have been. Um, in 2018, the Republican House of Representatives voted to actually weaken the Americans with Disabilities Act. Oh, I remember that. I remember that. I got so mad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was very scary and infuriating. Um, because people with disabilities already are fighting um, to enter the workforce in larger numbers. They experience workplace discrimination all the time. And if this law had passed the Senate, um, the, what would have happened in the Americans with Disabilities Act only would have made it worse for people with disabilities um, in employment situations especially so we were lucky it didn't pass the senate but i did get arrested twice for protesting a rules committee hearing that heard that bill and then a few days later when it was heard on the house floor yeah it's crazy people get arrested for this stuff even like just like you're doing it you're not you're not being aggressive you're 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 not, you're just peacefully doing it. And just because they don't agree with you, they're going to like arrest you. It's just like, it's wild. It's just. Exactly. I, I agree. It is wild because, and that's why I want to vote them all out. Anybody who's ever arrested me needs to be unseated in, from government because. Like I'm half, ex I was half expecting you to like have this elaborate like explanation of why you got arrested that like, um, I don't know made more sense <laughs> oh. and just like oh really that's that's why yeah but that's that's why it was about issues that matter to my personal life too i mean you know i'm three feet tall and use a wheelchair um i need to make sure that i have access to appropriate healthcare services or uh It'd be much, much worse. So, yeah, I hope the future we can elect leaders that actually listen to people with disabilities instead of arrest them. Hopefully within our lifetimes. <laughs> Heck yeah. Heck yeah. So, um, the next question is actually the last question. But um, how do you think you're living your best disabled life? Oh, I love this question. Um so let me tell you why I love this question, because I embrace my disabled life so much. When I was like a kid, like a lot of disabled kids, I think, um, I was embarrassed by my disability. I kind of. Oh, my God. Same. Yeah. Because you, you know me, as, you knew me as a kid. I literally was so anti-disability, like literally wouldn't even associate with like I had such a hard time associating with other people with disabilities and she's like yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> I, I yes I think gosh you were you were probably 11 or four I don't know how old you are do you remember how old you were I was kind of almost 11 I think okay I mean that's the typical age that I worked with so um 
but that was that's I was the same way as eleven, and I think, um, you know, when we embrace disability as a positive identity, even by just going out there and saying that we're living our best disabled life. Um, I think 11 year olds right now, or, you know, young people of any age can maybe have a chance to, to see that disability isn't something to be embarrassed by. Um, it's, it's an identity that's highly discriminated against and people accept others to bully people with disabilities. And that's why when we're kids, we often don't want to associate with a big part of us, which is, you know, being disabled. It's not a tragic thing. It's a natural thing. Um, so how I live my best disabled life is to um, be prideful in everything that I can do, including in embracing my identity. I don't look at my disability as a problem necessarily, but like I said, as, as part of my identity and, um, and to accept my limitations. And I think that's an important part when we talk about pride around disability or disability pride is, you know, we have limitations, but it's okay to accept them. You know, I'm not apologizing anymore for when there's one step to get into an entrance that I can't, you know, I can't do one step. So I'm not apologizing to my friends anymore when I can't go with them. Um, instead, I'm I'm living my best disabled life. See, I really love this title of your podcast and trying to educate other people that when places are inaccessible, they're only discriminating against people with disabilities. So that's yeah. Yeah. every um every guest gets that question at the end of the podcast. It's the best question because I really love that you're setting the precedent that living disabled is um, a life worth living and how incredible it can be. Because, you know, we don't talk enough about the power to adapt and every person with a disability can adapt. That's what we do because the world was not designed for us. And when you know how to adapt to things, it it empowers you. It 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 makes you it makes you feel good. And you know, um, one day when the world is accessible to all people with disabilities, we'll still have to adapt to something. So, I think when you're asking your guests how they're living their their best disabled life putting a positive spin on that. It's just kind of setting the tone that um, there's positive aspects to living disabled. Um, and that includes knowing how to adapt. Yeah, not being ashamed of whether or not you can do something or get somewhere. Because um, you just said something about the, the, like having a step in front of places or like, you know, not an like. Uh, not an elevator or stuff like that um but like I just remember when I was like probably in elementary school or middle school like I would 
get invited to do things and I would have to double like double check that like it's something I can physically do but then I would if it's not something I can physically do or something that would be difficult for me I would actually start blaming myself and then hating on myself for it but it's not my fault the world's not made for me the world's made fight people and we can change that we recreate the world every day, you know? Like, we can make it so that younger people don't do the same thing we do and feel like they need to overcome for the inaccessibility that's all around us. Instead, we can just build it accessible. Like, I just remembered this one time my friend asked me to go hiking. Mm-hmm. Um, and for obvious reasons, like, hiking is not, a, like, an accessible thing unless there's, like, an accessible um, trail. And, you know, she kind of like got mad at me, like a little irritated at me because I wasn't able to go there because it wasn't accessible. And I'm like, it's not my fault. Like, uh, like, uh, did you, did you see if they're like wide enough paths? Like, can my wheelchair get through? Or can my crutches get through without like, it being too narrow like and a danger (laughs) and is it is it like flat like is it is part of it flat or is it all uneven because i can't walk on uneven things like and i think that was one of the moments in my in my life where i was like wow like there's some things i don't like everyone doesn't have to think about this when they yeah. do something, what? Like, oh it's, my it's, God. Mm-hmm. it's not, um, like it's, uh, I thought it was like just me in a way. I don't know if that makes sense. You made so much learned. That's why what you just said resonates so much. And, um, I've, I've heard that be described as able bodied privilege. What? You just said it's not everybody has to think of all these things and check for all these things because the world is made for non-disabled or able-bodied people. And there are privileges that come with that. And I think as a society, we really, really need to start to talk more about that because there are accessible hiking trails. You just have to seek them out. Exactly. I just realized... um... There were a few, like, I've, I've been to a few places where it's a little bit more accessible, but I, I didn't even know there, like, I, I say I love being outdoors, but, like, part of the problem is that, like, hiking and stuff like that is hard for me unless it's accessible, but they're not, like, accessible um, trails and stuff aren't as like easy to find you know absolutely and too often making something accessible for people with disabilities is like an afterthought um because really when we're making trails in public parks for the public all the trails should be for the public or at least it should be indicated with signs or a guide to let people know like this trail is not an even path or this trail is not wide enough for a wheelchair just so 
people can can plan accordingly um, like what about the times when people think it is and then like get stuck <laughs> exactly <laughs> so maybe maybe we could be a little more transparent with that information at least in public parks to at least start somewhere because i love the outdoors too i mean that's why i ran summer camps for so long it was a great excuse to be outdoors and be working all summer um but i i do sometimes have a hard time finding the accessible paths in when i travel to different state parks which is one of my favorite places to travel yeah i'd love to go to like um some national parks and stuff and state park those are always like those look beautiful and like I, like it's such an experience. Yeah. Yes, the outdoors is is good for us, and it's just another thing that we got to make sure um, the future. When we talk about making the future accessible, that it includes outdoor spaces. Yeah. Definitely, because I can like, I just remember so many times when I wanted to do things thought I can't because it wasn't accessible or there wasn't an accessible entrance to somewhere or something like that or like when I went on vacation to Puerto Rico when I was in like eighth grade we went to a rainforest and it's not accessible so my brother and my dad had to take turns carrying me through the rainforest oh wow (laughs) which yeah, I'm not complaining. I mean, that's cool. That's that's nice. How nice of my family to carry me through a rainforest. But it would have been nice if it was easier to walk in. Absolutely. And I think you touched on another thing. Sometimes people confuse when we say we want things accessible, we don't mean for somebody else to do it for us. You know? Um, we want it so that we can access it our way, you know, with a wheelchair or, or some other assistive technology, which, which is usually what is not, you know, allowed because it's inaccessible. You know, if a place has a stair or a set of stairs, it's, it's not accessible to, to wheelchairs. So. Yeah. I think that's an interesting point. Like um, it uh, gives you the ability to have someone help you do something doesn't mean that's accessible by default, you know? Exactly. And I don't, I do not know why non-disabled people keep goofing that up um, because you just said it spot on. Making something so that somebody can help you do it is not the same as making it accessible. Like, but there are times when that's considered accessible. It's weird. Like, what? What? Like, are you serious? Like, you really think that's accessible? (laughs) Oh, way too many times. Like, one of my biggest pet peeves is most hospital bathrooms, when you are an inpatient in the hospital, almost none of them are wheelchair accessible. And they say because the nurses can help you, like, get on a commode or whatever. But I just think that is the most bizarre thing. Um, Because. But wouldn't you want to be able to do that stuff by yourself? If you can, like, yeah, yeah, if you can, if it's if it's if you're able to do it by yourself, like you don't, you don't, you don't want that help if you have the choice, you know. 
exactly and i think we're be able to have that choice yes you should be able to have that choice and where it gets mucky is if you need if you can do it by yourself but only with some piece of technology and when i say technology i mean like any object wheelchair a reacher a cane you know a hearing aid um because those are often the things that are shut out and then the excuse from able-bodied people will be oh well we can help you or you know, we have our own system. And it's like, why can't you just listen to disabled people and let us do it the way we do it? I don't know. <laughs> We're trying to live an independent life. And it's like, oh, well, we could just help you. And it's like, no, I don't want your help. <laughs> right. And, and we shouldn't have to take their help because we are we we deserve as much autonomy as they do um but like i i said at least with my experience those situations come up most often when places are not accessible to my wheelchair because i use the wheelchair all the time so well I, like i use my wheelchair and i use my crutches and i use a manual and the power chairs like literally everything <laughs> <laughs> like i have the uh, like options you know like which one am I feeling today? <laughs> Which is a beautiful thing. It's it's great. It's great. Except power chairs don't fit in normal cars. So I can only use it while I'm at school because they have a um, wheelchair accessible um, shuttle. So right. I haven't been able to use my power chair in like a year or a year and a half since I haven't been at school. Oh, wow. I didn't, that's, huh. Yeah. And the other thing with power chairs is someone can't just, they're so heavy. That's exactly what I was going to get at. If it's even just that one step, you're, um, you're, you're, you're out of luck. Uh, But, you know, and that's why I really advocate so hard for places to be accessible and so that we can get the assistive technology we need, because I really really believe that people should have as many choices um, as they need. Like you said, you have crutches, the manual chair, the power chair. I I think that's spot on and that anybody should be able to have all of those options. Cause... But the interesting thing is that sometimes insurance wouldn't like, right. maybe because you have one, they might not cover the other. You know? Oh, that's oh no that's real it's 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 a barrier yeah i've like thought of getting um what are they called um the the thing that you attach to your manual chair to make it into a power chair oh smart drive drive. yeah yeah so like I'm, i'm i'm trying to think of how to um get one because i don't know if my insurance is gonna cover that because i already have a power chair but i think like the uh the way I could get around it is saying that like the power chair requires a like lift or something like that when I could just have a smart drive and that's easier to transport exactly and you know it frustrates me so much that there's so many bureaucratic hoops because you are not wrong 
for being concerned that insurance might not cover the smart drive because you already have a power chair or whatever excuse they do. But again, that's why I, I do the work I do. It's lawmakers that make all those rules that the insurance companies follow. So we really need them to, to listen to us because they, they're using the rules to, to make it harder for us to get the equipment we need to have the same mobility as everybody else. Um, so, you know, if I ruled the world, you'd absolutely be able to have a smart drive and a power chair and a manual chair. And and the other thing I think that we need to remember is if, if we had the appropriate access to the assistive technologies we need, we're not going to hurt anybody else but the, like, uber, uber bazillion dollar rich people. You know what I mean? Like, I think too often people with disabilities are made to feel like the burden on society, especially when our equipment is so expensive, you know? But we can afford that in this country for every disabled person to have access to the assistive technology they need. We, we really can. And unfortunately- but, I mean, the, uh, they act like we can't. Like they really, Yeah, they really do. They act like the world's gonna come crashing down because we needed a replacement part for a chair or a repair for a wheelchair. Or a new battery. <laughs> Or a new battery, because, you know, batteries, they die. That's literally what they do. Um, and also, you know, a variety of mobility assistance devices or, or whatever the, the device is assisting, if it's hearing or, or other types of disabilities. Um, they shouldn't be limiting it so much. It's, it's a real, real problem. Um, that obviously you can tell I'm, I'm very passionate about because I, I get so frustrated that people can't get the equipment that they need. Oh, no, I'm the same way. I'm so, like, oh, that stuff just pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. It's been such an honor to be on this podcast, but this was a, this almost, this was such a fun conversation. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for coming. No, thank you for inviting me. And yes, take care, Olivia. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Living My Best Disabled Life.